0: Welcome to the Boardroom Podcast, presented by the Political Action Committee, People for a Better DeSoto County, with your hosts, Chad and Ben. We hope to give you an informative look into local government by having a healthy discussion about city issues, interview a few friends, and have a little fun.
1: How you doing? This is Chad Wicker, Ward 4 Alderman. And this is Ben Piper, Ward 6 Alderman. And you're listening to the Boardroom Room Podcast, presented by Shelby Row Productions in the Harder Ward 4, the Caffey Place building. What's going on, Ben?
0: Oh, I'm enjoying some nice weather yeah, for today Yeah, today it is, is nice. No rain, 70 degrees, and I think it's supposed to get bad tonight. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But, uh, you know, it's been a busy week uh, in our household. We've got, a, you know, one kid that's... Got soccer going on. We got one that's in a in a in a play doing the Peter Pan deal uh, with uh, with Oak Grove Central. So she was real excited about that, and um, you know, family in from out of town. So just a busy week for the the Piper fam. Yeah, we had a uh, a competitive competitive six u soccer game last night uh, between uh,
1: the uh, Hernando uh, Bears, which is my team, against Doctor Trotter and his team. I believe they were the Tigers, and. uh... You know, Doctor Trotter was in charge of the clock. I think he ran the clock on us a little bit. We lost Uh-oh. three to two, but uh, we'll get a second chance that at him.
0: A, that's a really that's a low scoring six U oh, yeah, we, soccer game. We man. have a
1: strong six U team. The future of Hernando soccer is strong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's and that's soccer. The numbers, everything is up um, for soccer. I know participant wise and all those sort of things. I know we've we've looked at those before. Basketball is up. Soccer's up. Uh, baseball and softball I think are up compared to compared to last year. Uh, so a lot of good things going on with uh, with Hernando Parks and Red. And I'd
1: like to give a shout-out to Michael and his team uh, with the, who, who runs the soccer program for us. They did an outstanding job, I thought, last week in getting those fields ready so we can play. They've just been hit so hard with rain and so forth and the weather, but uh, they worked hard. I think I think he said he got there like 5, 6 o'clock in the morning trying to drain those fields to get them ready to play. And we we were able to play. It was cold Saturday morning, but we were able to play. And uh, So I want to give him a shout-out, to him, him and his staff and Jared and the staff there. They do a great job. Job.
0: yeah it, it was definitely chilly out there but it was a a good morning to get some soccer in and get to get the get the season um you know continued to roll on now that spring break's over with and all that so coming off of spring break we had a, a board meeting this past tuesday on march the 21st let's run through the agenda of some of the things we talked yeah about. i mean the,
1: the meeting lasted about 30 minutes really not too much to hit on but we'll we'll go through the agenda here Claims doc, like always, uh, meetings from previous minutes, uh, a little bit of training in the uh, consent agenda, sending our couple of our uh, deputy clerks to the uh, clerk's uh, conference in April. Uh, got a contract with our copier and printers. Uh, G- uh, approved for Gia to go to the Mississippi Pinnacle Award Ceremony. I think the farmer's market has been nominated for another award mm-hmm. there in Hattiesburg. That's right. Um, and she's also going to a meeting at the uh, Mississippi Development Authority in Jackson. Those things are vital, I think, to try to get uh, additional funds, and you know, like the brown. I think she posted something recently about the Brownsfield grant. I know there's a the old gas station in my area here. We're trying to hope to get something developed there with the Brownsfield grant. Other than that, uh, I guess the first thing we got to talk about is the Proclamation for the Organ and Tissue Donation Awareness Proclamation that we approved. But I guess the big thing first is the uh, redistricting. Yeah. We approved our redistricting plan. And, And just some history. As you know, we ran for office in 2021 based on the census from 2010 uh and and the last time the city redistrict those
0: wards i think in 2009 right ben that's correct well yeah shortly shortly after the annex to bring in a lot of the nesbitt area and some of the some of the outlying areas and so, I think it was a
1: goal of this current board to get that done and get that behind us, so we are good for the next ten years. So we'll have uh, elections in, in twenty five and twenty nine, based on the uh, the wards we approved the other night. So, uh, Ben, you want to talk a little about those? Uh, yeah. So some the of the changes. Change,
0: yeah. So some of the changes we made, and, and so basically what it what it looks like is you have your you have the twenty twenty census. You get those numbers back eventually during twenty twenty one. We formed a we formed a committee. Uh, of a few a few aldermen and uh, the mayor the planning planning director and that sort of thing to go through this process with a company that we hired to look at where exactly people lived and You know, what those numbers look like, you know, neighborhood by neighborhood, and then you could kind of move around what's called a census block. Uh, And when you move these census blocks around, you may take something from Ward 3 and put it in Ward 6 or vice versa, and then these numbers shift around. The reason why you're moving these numbers around is because uh, you need to have... A goal of having the same or a very close to the same number of people in each ward so that it's equally representative it, what the numbers weren't too too far off um for our area but but they were off uh you know in some cases uh by about 12 percent, either to the positive or to the negative uh depending on which ward you're looking at so we needed to we needed to tighten that up and so the plan that we looked at if you live in there's a corner of the uh, country club kind of golf course area that is in that was previously in ward six which is in my ward that right there where old mackinvale and, and green tea kind of comes together there's there's a few little uh, neighborhoods right in there uh, or a few little streets right in there those are going from ward six to ward three so now mackinvale and green tea will kind of create a little box right there for the Ward 3 voters. Um, so that, that change was made. Additionally, if you're in the Winningham Estates uh, subdivision and kind of that Christopher Lane and kind of going up towards that area, that part of Nesbitt has been changed from Ward 1 to Ward 6. Now, the reason those two changes were made, one, Ward 3 needed more people in it. Um, so I gave up some folks. So when I did that, I needed to uh, get some people back. Uh, and and had to take from Ward 1, which uh, had too many people in it. And so that she, uh, and, uh, Alderman Lynch needed to give you know, some people or give some neighborhoods a, away to another ward to sort of make everything even out. Um, additionally, there were some changes made uh, right along where uh, Mount Pleasant goes south from Commerce um, and in that area and kind of loops back around. That went from Ward 2 to Ward 5. Uh, there's an area right at Elm Street um, that I think uh, Chad, these the next two changes are, are more yeah of, uh, I'll, I'll Chad's talk about those yeah. there so yeah I'll, I'll, I'll talk about those, those.
1: The, the, uh, Ward four had saw two changes. we lost some uh, the population there at Elm Street so everything west of Elm Street now goes to uh, Ward one and that was done to kind of make that uh, that area more square. It probably makes sense to have a natural barrier and then also we had some changes uh, at the kind of the east part of Ward four there where Ward five kind of took a little chunk. Up on uh, this is going to be Pona West Pona West mm-hmm. uh, towards Terra Drive, and then also like Shady Shady Grove area there. Uh, shout out to my buddy Larry Worthy and, and Cuddles; they live in that area right there. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, that is now in Ward Four and no longer Ward Five. So we're trying to make it a natural barrier. I think is one of the goals. Uh, you know, that's something that I kind of got frustrated with is that. There, there, uh there's some still some areas and neighborhoods that are split, uh, especially in the top of Ward 4 uh, with uh, Ward 3. And hopefully we can, as uh, the other wards continue to grow, because I think Ward 4 is pretty much tapped out on residential. I don't see a lot of more developments coming in Ward 4. So eventually, as the other areas grow, Ward 4 will then start growing bigger ge- ge- geographically, because right now it's the smallest one right there in the middle. Because I like to say Ward 4 is the heart of Hernando, is what I like to say. Yeah.
2: Sure, uh, yeah, I can see why but, you'd like to say but that. Anyway,
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway, so um, again, there's, there's still it's not a perfect plan. Um, we certainly tried, to, uh, everybody had a, a part in this plan, and um, we got our deviation down to uh, 6.3%, which is anything under 10 is acceptable. The prior deviation was 24%, which was out of compliance. That's why we had to do this. Um, and so the ideal, based on our census, uh, I think the total population was 17,136. And so we're trying to get each ward to be about 2856 people. Uh and with this current plan, the the one that is farthest out of compliance would be ward 5, which is 93 people short of that. Uh so that's a lot better. Um Ben, can you talk a little bit about the why this is important, the one one yeah. person one vote concept and why you need to redistrict every 10 years at least?
0: Correct. And so the the goal with it is that you have equal representation on the board so that you don't have Um, award that has 500 people in it and those five people are represented by one vote compared to a ward that would have 4,500 people and that those 4,500 people are represented by one vote so we're trying to get as close as possible to having that perfect number it's very difficult to have an exactly you know exactly perfect uh, look with it with the the way the census blocks are kind of laid out there but um, you're really trying to get it to where people when they elect an alderman or they, um, you know, when they go to cast that vote, that person that represents them is representing a very statistically equal uh, number of people in the city of Hernando and so I'm sure for most folks listen this you may not have been affected by those changes but they do need to recognize that those changes have been made and I'm sure the uh, I know I've I've already been in touch with a lot of people in the Winningham Estates uh, neighborhood and join their Facebook group and kind of reaching out to them uh, just so they know that the changes have been made um, and that I'm their I'm their representative to you know to, to reach out to whenever they have any issues but if you have questions about it you can always you know, either contact city hall or contact your alderman and just make sure there's no changes that have been made
1: yeah and everybody in ward four that was added to ward four should be receiving a letter in the mail today or saturday so i sent them a, a letter with my card in it so if they can have any issues they can reach out to me and and we're very simple in hernando so if you want to email the mayor it's mayor at hernando uh, was it city of hernando.org yeah, yeah, and right. then if you want that's to uh, right. email your alderman it's alderman ward whatever so like i'm ward four at Hernando.org, Hernando City of and Ben be Alderman Ward
0: Six at uh, City of So, we and we can, and I, I respond to emails usually absolutely. within the same day, and um, get get the notifications on my phone, and all that sort of thing. Try to get back people as quick as we can. Um, the other thing that we looked at in this meeting was our paving plan, and kind of getting some some updates on that um, with. We had a uh, Trapper Drive and then also Dogwood Hollow Drive. Those were the two streets we accepted bids on. Uh, getting those two streets overlaid that, that desperately needed it. Uh, both of those are in Ward 6, and they're part of the, the annexation that happened about 15 years ago. And I, I don't think either one of those streets has been paved in the last 15 years, so um, they desperately needed it. I um, appreciate the board's support on that to get to get that moving forward. That was about $200,000, a little over $200,000 um, to get those two streets paved paved. Um, And with those two added on, we're approximately about halfway through um, our our total as far as money is concerned uh, with what we've budgeted. We've budgeted about $1.96 million towards paving neighborhood streets um, this year. Some of them have already been completed and some we still have to do. Uh, But, you know, for example, uh, Industrial Drive and um, the, uh, the connecting what 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 is that? What is that road there? Is that Vaden? Uh, so Vaden Vaden Industrial, Industrial, Industrial
1: Drive. Mm-hmm. That was a big one. Yeah.
0: Uh, so just let everybody
1: at the Sheriff's Department know uh, that that is getting paid. That's the next thing we do. So uh, hopefully, maybe this time next week, uh, or when this I think this podcast will come out on Monday. So hopefully, sometime that week we, you'll see uh, see the. Uh, the The people out there paving the road so so that
0: represented about you know five hundred thousand dollars or so of of that fair uh fairway point cove east and west and fairway point lane those were uh those were done uh, in the fall those were kind of you know, right there, it's just it's one little neighborhood right there, kind of at the edge of Ward 6. It's now actually Ward 3 this, uh, that's changed over, and now Dogwood Hollow and Trapper are both going to get uh, paved. And that's kind of about halfway through from a money standpoint. Um, there's been around uh, 900000 or so spent uh, or committed to paving projects. And now there's several more that we'll be getting to. So I guess listen up here. There's there's some that will mention Notting Hill Cove East and Notting Hill Cove West. Uh, Those two will also be they got
1: spiders in the road or something. All those lines in the road. They
0: don't have spiders in the road. So so in that neighborhood, for example, we did something called uh, a crack seal. So it's. where uh l- last year we did a crack seal uh through that neighborhood where you have uh spiraling cracks that are going through the the road uh you basically go in there and seal those so that the road doesn't become in any worse shape than it was already in because uh, we basically when looking through the paving budget it was going to be impossible to get the whole neighborhood paved in one year but we're now following up and getting notting hill cove east and west done and then also uh, Notting Hill. Notting Hill Drive, starting at Middle Buster and going through uh, Banbury there. So, uh, Notting Hill, folks, that's what's coming towards you. Uh, um, just, I, I, will, I
1: think I'll post this on my personal page when we pass it back in October, but I'll put this on uh, the Boardroom Podcast yeah. uh, Facebook page so people can take a look. And um, I think you hit most of the main roads. There are a couple in my area, uh, Biloxi Cove uh, will be paved. Banks Cove will be paved. Elm at Robinson's that just got done. I drove on that earlier. That's, that's nice and smooth over there now. Pendulum, I think, is another one. Pendulum uh, is a good one uh, that needs it. Northern from Northview to Commerce is is another one that needs it. I think you talked about Fairway Point Cove West and
0: mm. uh, all those. I think some of those already been done. Uh, have you talked about Dogwood Hollow? Yeah, with Dogwood Hollow, except accepted the bid on up there in Nesbit. Uh, that'll that'll be getting done. And then I think the, uh, the uh, Fairway Oaks over there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're kind of right near where the uh, right right near where the country club is. There's a, a road there that needed to. It used to be split with Ward. Three and six, but now it's just Ward three there. So that's um, another one that that uh, that needed it. So a lot of paving going on. And um, well, we, uh, Ben, you know, I think it's important to explain to
1: people that we, we this is the most we've ever spent on paving. Um, mm-hmm. And this is not counting the. The McInvale project that we're going to pave that's coming out of an MPO grant, Mm -hmm. I think that's a $2.7 million project uh, up there from Pleasant Hill all the way to Green Tea, I believe. Isn't that right? Yeah. Repave it.
0: Well, yeah, it's from uh, from Pleasant. Does it go all the way to Green Tea? I think so. I think it may be. Yeah, so that road desperately needs it for sure. That that one's definitely been chewed up quite a bit, uh, whether it's through truck traffic or whatever it is, but um, that one definitely needs it. So it's over $2 million from the uh, Metropolitan Planning Organization that uh, the city will be chipping in a little bit on that. Um, But when you go back and look uh, historically at what the city would spend, on paving, the reason why we are in this the, we're in this situation where we're spending so much on it is because money hasn't been spent necessarily in the past every single year. Uh, in our first budget year, I think we committed uh, 1.2 billion. Um, the 1.4, uh, 1.4. 4, bu- uh, the budget was 1.4 for that. Part of it was going towards you know, paving, the, paving part of the soccer complex. So you didn't necessarily see that uh, paving done. Um, and, the, and the cost of asphalt and some of those things increased so much that we didn't get as far as I think we necessarily would have liked. But when you talk about previous budget years, prior to this, prior to this board that's in there, there was years where, you know, it might've been 300,000, 400,000, you know, $800,000 being spent. Uh, so this, the board's really made it a priority in my opinion to, well, it's not opinion, it's fact uh we've uh we've committed more dollars towards it uh, i think that's a priority for us i know that's
1: something that i heard a lot on the campaign trail was, was potholes and parks that's the two things i always talk about but um uh i talked like i always do i waited till last minute i reached out to miss pam pam powell our city clerk and asked her if she could send me the numbers for the last um, five years of road uh, improvements and, and she i don't think she's in the office today or she wasn't able to do that, but okay. uh, I did go back and look so you know this year we we've committed four point six million dollars to to roads mm-hmm. uh, with two point seven of that coming from uh, mpo and then the year before that we did one point four million and then the, the the last year of the previous board and, and mayor um, they budgeted four hundred thousand but only spent one hundred and fifty three thousand so i'm not sure mm-hmm. what what happened that's that's talking to your point mm-hmm. I, I think we're in a our, you know, that's what people always say is our roads are in bad shape and we're trying our best to catch up with them. But I think the previous boards for, you know, cash flow issues or whatever, budgetary mm-hmm. issues, different things come up. I know they, they they did make a priority to get new ambulance, I think, sometime yep. in, in that prior board. So they made some decisions to uh, allocate money in other other areas for, for whatever, you know, for whatever reason. So uh, that's why we're, I think we're in a situation we are. But I can, I can speak just for me, but and not for the whole board. But I think we are all committed to continuing to invest in our infrastructure and and, and putting more money there. And and I think a key thing and why we're able to put more money in there, frankly, is the Mississippi Infrastructure Improvement Act, Mm -hmm. uh, where essentially the sales tax that you pay on uh, Amazon, different things. The internet think, sales tax. Yeah, internet sales tax essentially. So that there was a, a legislation passed I think in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one that we get a certain diversion back on that. And we've been able to use that money quite a bit to to fund some of these road projects. I think we got in January we just got six hundred and almost seven hundred thousand dollars and we get that twice a year so that that money can only be used on infrastructure projects and that's one of the reasons why we have committed so much of our resources there because it's needed but also we have some additional funds to do it Ben. so
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and those can be used on the those the internet sales tax can only be used on infrastructure it doesn't necessarily have to be used on roads it could be used on water projects sewer projects anything that's infrastructure related um, but the board is Committing that committing those dollars to specifically street improvements because they are so badly needed, um, but you know I think that the the biggest uh, challenge anytime a city goes through an annexation is that um, you're you're grabbing a lot of streets, you're grabbing a lot of you know homes and and potential places that businesses could could locate to, and some of the business growth has happened in those annexed areas, um, and as it, and, and Hernando is growing for sure, um, but. You, you know, you have to be able to take care of what you, what you bring in. And, uh, and I think that's what the board's committed to doing uh, to try to make that happen. It does take time, though. Uh, for sure. And, I, and we certainly appreciate people's patience. And I try to tell them that as well when I go out and speak to f- folks, whether it's in Dogwood Hollow or, you know, Winningham Estates or wherever we're at, um, or even in my own neighborhood and just say, hey, listen, just be patient with us. You know, we are got uh, Trapper Drive getting paved here soon. That's one of the big entry streets in the, to one of those neighborhoods there. And same thing with Notting Hill, uh, getting Notting Hill Drive pay- uh, paved. It's another entry street in there from Middle Buster. Uh, so it should help. At least with uh, with getting into the neighborhood and uh, hopefully get a little bit nicer nicer drive.
1: And I know we've already started a conversation of what roads we're going to get next year. Um, so uh, if you have an issue with your road, please reach out and let me know. I know uh, I think we've talked about it before, but if you if you do have a pothole or some kind of issue, please report that to our maintenance department. You can do that online, and and so that's a good way to so we can go back and pull some numbers and see where we're having issues i think that's the best way for
0: us to keep to pull data on it is when, when we do have an issue water main or whatever we can go back and look and that's usually one of the first things people think of when they think of uh the city is the city needs to take care better care of its streets or we, you know y'all need to get these potholes filled or whatever and we the, there's a lot of miles of streets uh, in the city. So the, the more information we have, the more feedback we have, You know, the better it, you know, service we're going to be able to give, um, in my opinion, because we, you know, I don't think any of us are able to ride every single street um, every single day. So uh, any feedback there is definitely definitely welcome and, and, and helps quite a bit. But that was a big part of our meeting, uh, looking at the paving budget, seeing where we are so far, seeing what else we have left to do. So there is still a lot out there that's that's coming, and you'll you'll see that as the asphalt plants get opened back up, which should happen in the next week or so, according to our city engineer. Uh, he said we should have those asphalt plants open back up, and you should start seeing some some activity there. And you're going to talk about the other roundabouts you approved? I did not approve another roundabout, <laughs> sir. You don't? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I did not approve a roundabout. Um, but uh, did we have did we, we didn't have a roundabout on there. No, I'm just. I'm just are you, saying. you just give me a hard time. He's hey. giving me a hard time. Well, we've talked a lot about tax revenue. We've talked a lot about, um, that we do every single week, but uh, one of the people that we have coming on our show today is tax, uh, tax assessor Jeff Fitch, uh, who is in his fourth year in that in that role, uh, and we will be uh, talking to him about what his office does and kind of sure. the the growth here in DeSoto County that we've seen right. over the last uh, couple decades here, so do, he's going to be a great interview.
1: Do you want to uh, talk about the sales tax revenue real quick since yeah, we bugging everybody with sales tax? Yeah, sure. So, um just so everybody kind of understands this, so when you go to Kroger and you pay that 7% sales tax, the cities get 18.5% of that back in a diversion, and, and that goes to the, the city's general fund and, and can be allocated uh, different ways. I think this year we budgeted, uh, right, been $5.4 million, I think, is what we did. So about 450000 a month is kind of where we need to stay to stay budgeted. Uh, the February numbers come back, which the February numbers represent the actual January uh, time. So uh, mm-hmm. we, they come out usually on the 15th of the month. So for... February, or excuse me, for January, which was posted in February, those numbers were $427,029.32, which is up from the previous year, but a
0: little under what we budgeted. Um, on average. On average, and yeah. So, so, what she, so one thing that you want to, one of the things that qualifies that is that when when you look at December, you know, when, when December and holiday season, all that kind of stuff, that number's usually really high and that number was really high uh, that month and it kind of you know, pull some of the other numbers up. Um, so this one, this one month being a little shallow, um, about $23,000 shallow is not anything to sa- sound alarm bells about or anything like that just yet. Uh, but we don't want to necessarily pile up uh, too many months, you know, like that. Cause it is, it is one of the, I, I would say it's, it makes up about a third of uh, what the city's revenue is. Yeah. Um, so we're still
1: up about 6% for the
0: year. Um, but we, like you said, we don't need a couple more.
1: We need to keep, uh, keep getting over that four uh, four, four 450,000 uh, number
0: uh, would be nice, so. That is something that we keep track of. And every every month we typically get uh, what's called an E&R. That's right. what the board gets in, in our packet. So the E&R is the Avenue, uh, and expense and revenue. and revenue. Excuse me. Expense and revenue uh, report. So in the business world, a lot of people call that a and or a profit and loss statement. Um, so very, very similar. It's just expense and revenue, um, but that tells us exactly where we are from a percentage standpoint. Those numbers generally look uh, look fine right now. You know, from what from what I've seen, there's some that are a little high, some that are a little low, and sometimes you're just gonna there's there's some ebbs and flows with when uh, things are spent, and sometimes things come in under budget, and you know, with our with our Paving. We've had a couple paving things come in a little under budget, so it's allowed for uh, other projects to be added um, to our paving. I think that the the police department uh, parking lot has apparently uh, been at, been added as do what? Well, yeah, the, uh, that was on the that was on the list there that was handed to us on on Tuesdays that the, the, oh, the, police, Depar- the okay. police department uh, right. get, yeah, the police department parking lot's going to get The police department cuz everything
1: new, new. they get air good, conditioners they're good
0: they're good people they're good people they there. do, a great, they do a great job they do a great job of keeping us safe so they'll uh so the the police department parking lot will get paved there and i think that the parks department and those folks everybody a lot of people use that that entrance there to get In and out, so it certainly (coughs) is needed for sure. But but.
1: before uh, before we get to Jeff, you kind of want to talk about the cash flow and why I think the sales tax is a little important. You know,
0: yes, we we don't have a bunch of money,
1: and why it's important. I think we talked about this during budget time, Ben, that we're trying to get our surplus built up Mm -hmm. uh, because it keeps a creates a cash flow issues, so we can't really do anything to get our revenue from our
0: property tax. So you want to talk talk about that a little bit? Correct. So you know, property tax is, is not something that is coming in all year long. It's usually It usually doesn't come in until about the first quarter of each year, which is the second quarter of the city's fiscal year, if that makes any sense. So the city's fiscal year starts October 1, but uh, a large portion of the city's revenue that it operates off of does not come in until the second quarter. So what the city has to basically run on is uh, the sales tax that comes in and then any other surplus or any money that's brought forward from the previous budget year. Uh, so in, in in planning for, um, you know, the future and kind of what uh, we need to do from a financial standpoint, generally, uh, you, you would like to have a three to six month Reserve built up um, that that would be kind of a rainy day fund or something that you could you can draw from until that property tax uh, begins to hit in the second quarter of the fiscal year, and so that that is one of the, probably the biggest challenges and one of the that, that we that we have looked at when when budgeting for the city is getting that number as, as high as possible. Uh, right now it's it's under a million dollars. It's only around six hundred seven hundred thousand dollars currently, and that would last maybe a maybe a month. You know, just depending on what exactly was uh, was coming in and coming out. Um, so the, the, we've, got a, we've got a long way to go to get that number where it needs to be. If that makes sense. So like when our budget starts in October and we
1: start our budget, we really can't tackle a lot of those big infrastructure projects like Evade and Drive or something like that in October before the asphalt plants close because we don't have our our property tax revenue until January, February, right? And so that kind of well, hems us up and, and shuts that window down. We can do road projects. I think in the past with previous board, that, that's also been an issue with the cash flow. That's why they've, I think, been reluctant to spend some money on the roads. And so that's why I think it's vital that we, we, we look at this budget from a conservative viewpoint mm-hmm. and, and, and try to... It'll be frugal fugal with the tax dollar and, and try to uh, get us a good reserve built up so we can tackle these things. Like for instance, uh, for ex- example, like the Soto County has quite a bit of money in their rainy day fund uh, mm-hmm. and they're able to tackle projects when they need to tackle them instead of having to wait till the money comes in, if that right. makes any sense.
0: So, And I think that as we're going forward, what the board wants to do is in, in general, what we've talked about is, is forming a budget committee uh, that would that would look at other ways of budgeting than just how things have kind of always been done or maybe necessarily you know, you have a mayor and then you have a finance director uh, they may have a certain way of doing the budget but you know let's bring some new ideas to the to the table as well and say let's start out with you know how much how much do we want to have in a rainy day fund and let's can we set a benchmark over the next three or five years to say it you know let's look at five years from now we want to have a million and a half dollars in a rainy day fund, or whatever the number is that everybody agrees upon, then let's start working towards that, um, and not just you know necessarily build a whole budget out from the top down and say, well, there's $150,000 left to put into a reserve. I think the goal now is to be a little more intentional, and I think that that seems to be what the board would like to do. Yeah, to get, try to work. Get,
1: I think get all the needs and only some of the wants, um, right? If, if that makes sense. So. We'll look at that. I think we'll probably start look, start looking at budget stuff. I, in April, May, I think
0: it's a good time to start looking at. it. We're about halfway through this fiscal year, so. And we do have we have to have a budget approved by September fifteenth. So right, yeah. there's plenty of, there's plenty of time to still get the you know, the budget talks done and um, for the next fiscal year. So we've got a long way to go there. But as we've talked about. Uh, a lot of that stuff, a lot of revenue, a lot of those things sometimes uh, can get people a little, a little sleepy eyed. So let's bring in our exciting guest wake uh, up. here today. I know, wake up. <laughs> uh, let's bring in our exciting guest. We've got uh, the tax assessor for Desoto County joining us here today, Jeff yeah. Fitch.
1: I've known Jeff for a long time. His his office does a great job, and uh, well, I can look forward to a great discussion with
0: him about the tax assessor of Desoto County. Let's get to it. And now we bring on the DeSoto County Tax Assessor Jeff Fitch for our interview this week here on the Boardroom Podcast. Jeff has been the tax assessor here for for four years. He's in his fourth year, but has been working in that office for uh, forever, uh, as, uh-huh. as uh, from what I understand. So, Jeff, thanks so much for for giving us some of your time. There's only so much of it in every day, so we certainly appreciate that. Thank y'all. So how so how long have you been there in that that office? I
2: actually started in '99, working under uh, former tax assessor Parker Pickle. Parker and he's still here
0: in Hernando. I oh, think,
2: definitely. So. He, he just road got road. out of
1: my district. When we redistrict, he, on that side of Elm, goes to Natalie. So he, Mr. Parker's no more, no longer in my
0: that's, district. So. That's why you wanted to move it so far. <laughs> 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 no, but uh, so, Jeff, tell us a little bit about, you know, I'm sure when you introduce yourself to people and they're like, well, I'm a tax assessor." The first question is probably, like, so what do you do exactly?
2: Exactly. Well. You know, it's a misconception about everything. You know, they get me mixed up with uh, the tax collector, which, you know, we're two totally different offices. Now, the smaller counties in the state have a combined assessor-collector, but our offices split in 1992. And, excuse me, 1988, they split, when Mr. Bushelon was the, the last assessor-collector, and in a, in, at that time, Joey Treadway ran and uh, Tallulah uh, Anderson ran for the collect- for the assessor, Joey for collector, and and it's been split ever since. And but what we do is is, is a variety of things. But uh, I could I could tell you you, you want to just go over everything. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick. You just, know, I hate to just ramble on, but no, you're uh, But our main responsibilities, of course is assessment. And what we do we we appraise every new house, commercial building, every structure that's constructed or tore down. We are mandated by the Department of Revenue to update at least 25 percent of the parcels every year um, we're, ex- we're responsible for the maintaining the new agriculture prices on the farmland uh, the personal property we have to do a 25 percent update each year on on the businesses in the, all of DeSoto county as well as uh, turning in renditions for the additions and deletions and keeping up with every exemption fee in lieu of the terms that they uh, make sure that they're in compliance uh, every deed that's filed in chancery clerk which Last year alone was twelve thousand seven hundred and eleven oh. uh, deeds were filed in DeSoto County. Wow. We have to review each one of them, make sure the assessment is correct, and uh, make sure the names are correct on them, make sure the address is correct on them, and, uh, and our to, its its huge. We're—we're—we're we're, we're pushing to be the biggest county in the state. We're getting—we're second or third. We—we teeter totter on second and third between some of the coastal counties, and. Um, you know, our mapping department, uh, last year alone, they were doing splits. There was, uh, how many subdivisions did we create last year? A uh, hundred new subdivisions were created in DeSoto County last year, and we did about 285 rural parcel splits.
0: And that And that may be a good thing to kind of define for folks. So when you say... Subdivision, most people think like, oh, 150 homes or what, but a subdivision is- It could be five
2: lots or it could be 100 lots. Yes, sir.
0: So when you say 100 subdivisions, I want to make sure people don't get it confused that there's 100, you know, you know, Notting Hills or 100, you know- Not not developments, just just dividing,
1: subdividing pieces of parcels. Exactly. And And sometimes
0: it can just be (laughs) as simple as you've got three acres of land and whoever owns it passes away. You have two kids- one of them wants to sell, one of them doesn't, so they subdivide it. That's right, and one of them can sell, and then the other one can take their their half or whatever. Well,
2: that's that's what we call a split. So we call that a split, not a subdivision, unless oh, okay. the, unless the planning commission or the city makes them file a plat for a subdivision.
0: Yes, sir. okay, there we go. So that's that's from the that's from the expert. I, don't, that was, that's, <laughs> I, I didn't know that one, so that was a good one. So when when you started, so you started ninety nine, um, and and now you're now you're here. All these subdivisions just new you know new parcels all this what is what has that meant for the Seto County I guess whether it's from a revenue standpoint or whatever it,
2: well the growth has been just out of out of out of control and uh, we are the uh, poster child for whenever we go to our conferences every year that everybody uses us for examples let, let me just give you a, a little I'm gonna ask y'all a couple questions real quick okay uh, <laughs> When, when did Mississippi become a state? Y'all are, y'all are history buffs. 1817. 1817, you're exactly oh, right. Do that you one. know when DeSoto County was founded? Hernando Hernando's 1837, right? That's very possible. I don't know about Hernando, no. but the county the 1836. County, 1836. 36. 1836, yeah. Okay. 1836. So, so think about this for a second. June 13th, 1836, the very first deed was filed in DeSoto County, making the very first parcel. Okay. Okay, so from 1836 to the year 2000, there was forty-five thousand parcels created in that hundred and sixty-four years. Okay. Wow. In the twenty-three years since, we've almost doubled it. So we wow. did in twenty-three years what it took one hundred and sixty-four years to to do. If parcel growth.
1: So, so what that means is, Holy moly. for that first hundred years, we were there was mostly farms, large large plots, and that plot has now been sub- subdivided into home more residential. So we're That's transforming right. from a, a rural area
2: to a more suburban. Definitely. Exactly. It's our, yes, sir. Uh, we are pushing, well, we are way over 80,000 parcels now. so Closing in on 100,000.
0: Yes, sir. Interesting. Well, so you don't, you're in your fourth year of your first term. Yes, sir. Do not have an opponent. No, um, sir. So you will, congratulations on another four years. Well, I everybody go. says
2: congratulations, but I think
0: <laughs> no one just wanted my job. <laughs> 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 like you could be doing your job so well, nobody, nobody wants to challenge it. I, I, I I'm very, I think I'm very
2: blessed to have my job. I love it. And, and I credit my staff for sure. It's not my staff. It's my coworkers. Sure. We're all equal, and we all work together great. We've, we, have almost, we have over 300 years of experience in that office. Oh, wow. 16 employees.
0: 16 employees. All right, that, that handle all that. So, do they, so they go out physically and assess...
2: I have five field guys that do assessment on real property, and two field guys that does personal property. Everybody else is internal.
0: And what's the what's the difference, I guess, between the personal property and kind of define that, I guess, a little bit, if you can.
2: Well, personal property is when you own a business. Uh, you have your if it's depending on what type of business it is, but it, you know if it's a, a store, it's inventory and it's whatever is in the you know computers, whatever. They have to unfortunately. The Department of Revenue, it's a statute that we have to tax that. Okay. So, so yes, sir, you have to turn in rendition every year to show how much you've increased it or decreased your inventory or your office supplies or anything like that.
1: So you're saying, like, if you had a, a camera shop, you have to go in there and, and, and inventory their, their cameras or whatever, and then they, they get a certain tax of, of that equipment. They get right? a
2: rendition form at the beginning of every year, and, and they, they fill to- it out and send it back to us. And, you know, they'll wow. put any additions or deletions on there for us.
1: And you have to do every single one of those or at right. the 25%? We do 25%
0: per year. Okay, of those. We have
2: to review them physically. Just the same we do with residential property. Yeah.
0: Yes, sir. I know another thing that – so this is something we deal with with the city of Hernando. A lot of times when we have – you know, you may have a, a business that wants to locate here or a developer wants to do something with us. And, and we've tr- really tried to explain to people that – um these developments do sometimes they sometimes they kind of pay for themselves in a way from an infrastructure standpoint by the tax revenue that they generate and sometimes they don't usually with neighborhoods they don't right because yes, you the, the the property tax that's generated from those um just doesn't really cover what it would cost to pave the streets do your water and sewer and just all the maintenance that you have to do within a neighborhood uh but a lot of times with the with these commercial developments you'll see there's something completely different. So talk about I guess some of the differences with that and kind of what some of the numbers maybe behind what that would possibly look like if you if you have an example that you can well, sure, kind of, sure think of Well,
2: uh well, you know, Mississippi is a non-disclosure state. So okay? So every deed in Mississippi comes in it says $10. That's what the purchase price was $10. So it was it was it was formulated that way so that the privacy. So mm-hmm. We're, there's 82 counties in the state of Mississippi, and we happen to be one that is exploding with growth and value. So everybody wants to be here because of our great school systems as well as our police protection, sheriff's department, and all. So we are way below the curve on keeping up with values on homes. So since we're on the same page as every other county and we're going by the same guidelines... When you pay in $170 a square foot, we're not able to hit that mark because some of the mm. Delta counties, you know, as you well know, are not able to even hit $100 a foot. But we're all on the same page. So we have to, you know, we do the best with what we got to, to, to calculate a value. But to be honest, uh, the folks in DeSoto County are getting an incredible bargain on their taxes. Uh, we have the lowest uh, millage rate other than, I think, Tunica County mm. in, in the state. Um, our index is the lowest that is what the index is what we use as a calculator so if you have a hundred thousand dollar house and it's calculated we you know You do it times that multiplier of our index and we are the lowest one in the state uh, But as far as commercial goes, we try to be dollar for dollar if possible uh, mm-hmm. if what we can get we we work with uh, As many folks as we can to get those prices on the land price to get the square foot price down and as well as the commercial construction, so
0: and it could very well be that because of so many of the benefits that you just mentioned, that is why so many people want to come here and why businesses want to come here. Uh, you certainly have the logistical advantages of being close to, uh, close to Memphis and FedEx Hub and all that stuff. But additionally, with some of the things you mentioned, the conservative practices that have been put in place for decades here in this county and, and, and the lower millage rates and the lower indexes and all those things, that is one of the reasons why... Uh, people want to come here in addition to the schools and all the other things you mentioned as well. So that's, yes, it's just good policy making, you know, that, that, that has uh, put DeSoto County where it is. Um, So uh, stepping away from, from all the, the work and just all that sort of thing. So what do you enjoy doing when you're, you're done for the week? It's the weekend. What's your, what's your go-to kind of hobby or tell, uh, tell folks a little bit about
2: Well, as Chad knows, <laughs> I, I like to run. I've been running since the eighth grade and uh, we hit as many five K's, 10 K's as we can do. And, uh, really enjoy it even though I'm getting old my body's not cooperating very well uh, we still do it I, I try to run every morning uh, on the weekends I love construction so right now we're in the middle of uh, working on my son's house they have a I got my first grand grandbaby on the way and uh, so we're trying to, thank you trying to get them uh, situated uh, for the, the new addition and uh, but you know I, I just I don't know. I, I I love going to the movies and I like
0: yeah. to eat. No, <laughs> no, well, I can get. I'm on the same page with them on the eating. This is the <laughs> yeah. second runner that we've interviewed, and I'm always just like, what? Well, I, I will virtually run with you. And you F- flock just, flock around
1: know. the block is coming up April first.
0: Okay. You're running with us, man. That's. I I think it's I it. for a do good a, cause, of the
2: food pantry. For so. the food pantry, it's a great cause. You know, I think straight. I could do a 5K. You could. I think I could. I could Anybody do. can do a 5K if they want to. Okay, All um, right, I'm in. Jeff,
1: your you guys are always. So I stop by there once a week or so to talk to you and your staff. Y'all are always very good, very informative. Could you talk a little bit about I think one of the busier things y'all doing right now, the homestead exemption? I think sure. that goes to April first, and what what exactly that is, and, and so the people understand that.
2: Sure, sure. Homestead is a is a law that's been on the books for well over 100 years. It was designed originally to draw folks to Mississippi. And what it is, if if you own your home and you have a Mississippi car tag and you file Mississippi income tax, you qualify. Now everyone everyone that hits those criteria will qualify for up to $300 off your property tax and an assessment at 10%. There's two types of assessments in Mississippi. There's a 10% assessment, which is owner-occupied property, and there's 15% which is commercial, vacant land, or anything else. Rental, everything falls into the 15% category. So if you you qualify, you come in the first three months of the year, January, February, and March, you actually have to April 1st to file this. It takes five minutes to do it. Uh, we give you a letter to send to your mortgage company if you have an escrow to keep your property taxes at the lower rate. If you're over 65, if you're disabled, if you're a veteran and you draw 100% DAV, you come see us. If you're 100% DAV, you don't pay property tax no matter the value of your home. If you're over 65 or disabled, the first $75,000 of value is completely exempt. So it's a it's a, it's a a great uh, program and folks just need to take advantage of it and... This year it actually ends a week from today, which will be Friday the 31st, because April 1st falls on a Saturday.
1: And you only need to do that once unless you have a divorce or remarried or something like if that. If you right? have a
2: deed change, if you, even if you put your property in a trust, you need to come back and see us. If a, if a spouse passes away or anything like that, always come back and see us to make sure that you qualify for the exemption that you are already getting. I see one thing that
1: you're responsible for is maintain the tax map. What, what
2: is that? Well, uh, our mapping department is anytime, like, like we were talking about a subdivision. Let's say yeah. you had a 100-acre track here. And so they, we get the plants that come in that the engineers have designed, and they, the mappers have to take that 100 acres and plot the subdivisions with the individual lots in there, create a parcel number, and get it into the system. Okay. Yes, sir.
1: And that goes into the GIS GIS map.
2: that's the following year. Yeah, you got to remember January first is a tax lien date in Mississippi. So everything that happens after January first is not to the next year. Won't hit to the next oh, okay. year. Exactly. Yes, sir.
1: And I think in, in was it uh, 2021, we had a kind of a uh, increase a little bit in the property taxes, a, a little but higher assessment?
2: That was an index increase. In, okay. So we were by far the lowest. Yes. We were, okay, so what I talked about a while ago, so if you had $100,000 on, on value on a house, we were at a point nine four. So we valued your house at $94,000. Everybody else in the state is up to one 1.2 or one, three. We moved ours up to a, a 1 even. So okay. if you're dollar for dollar exactly for what we have your house valued for we are we are the lowest in the state when it comes to uh index
0: and and sometimes you, it, it seems like you have to have those kind of market corrections at some point um and there's going to be there's going to be the situations that arise it's nothing that is um it, it's really it's going in the same trend that you're seeing across the state as well sure. uh people are making those index changes across the state they are um and so so it is something that what's different here i think is that a lot of those counties are making those changes and their counties are not growing that's right and they're having to make that index change to balance their books and make everything work uh, that's not necessarily the case for desoto county though um jeff when's the last time we had an index increase before, prior to this one
2: it had been at least 10 years 10 years okay. at least 10 years yes sir yeah you know we have to create a, a incredible balance between making sure that the counties the cities the schools all have enough money to operate keep the Department of Revenue happy because they audit us every year right. and, and to make sure the taxes are as low as they can possibly be. So we got a balancing act going constantly. And we strive to make sure it's a, we hit all, all three areas, you know, the best we can.
1: Uh, I want to talk about something that I know I know I, my personal opinion on it, but uh, the, the, the fee and lose and things like this for, for projects. Uh, could you talk about a little bit little about what your office does with those?
2: Well, sure. Uh, when the board or the cities uh, approve uh, an exemption a fee in lieu of uh we we have to first come up with an assessment so depending on and we have nothing to do with setting the the criteria that's done between the city alderman the mayors and the board of supervisors and and of course the companies so whatever agreement is made we take our value apply whatever exemption has been a, assessed to it and we we apply it to that so that the companies get a benefit and you know it, it brings companies here and they they they, I don't think I'm, I'm not going to say they demand, but they definitely want an exemption, and the county and the cities definitely want to want to get them here and is you know be as friendly as possible with that.
1: Right. So, like uh, the AWG facility, um, we gave them I think a 10 year exemption. Is that right? Yes, sir. And so they're at a certain point they they'll, they'll kind of max out on property tax.
2: Right. When they hit the criteria that it was set by the city and the, and the county of what assessment they when they hit that value they can they can implement their fee in lieu of. And what the fee in lieu of will be thirty three percent of whatever we have it appraised for, and then
1: they can come back in ten years and ask for another one or whatever, right? And, Again, we, and uh, we have to make a decision, and so your office is not really involved with that.
2: We are not; we just do what y'all tell us to do. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so,
1: but it's it's a means to attract economic development to an area, and and I, and I think that's
2: just part of doing business, right? And we got to remember, Marshall County and Shelby County is going hard after these Absolutely. companies when we are too, Absolutely. so we have to play ball with them, right?
0: Well, uh, the other thing, I and this is. Mainly just to give people like a little bit of a picture of you outside of the office and, and these sort of things. One of my favorite things is your is your Land Cruiser. Right. <laughs> anybody that knows anybody that knows Jeff knows he has this classic Land Cruiser, it's one of my favorite things. You know, you see them riding around town. And or what, so what? I know that's one of, your, one of your things, right? You like working on it? or what's Well, I mean, I, I just love old cars. And yeah. uh, growing up, all I drove was
2: 69 Camaros. That's all I had from high school through college. And even when I met my wife, I drove a 69 Camaro. And uh, I sold my last one when my son was born. But uh, I've always loved the, the Land Cruisers. I've had many of them. And uh, I've had this one for approximately 25 years. It's the wow. only one my kids have ever known me to drive, and it's my everyday truck. I take it everywhere I go, and I just I just love my old truck. You know, um,
0: that is, is literally my wife and I will be riding around, and we'll we'll see you going up fifty one or something like that, and they're like, oh, "Go, Jeff yeah. Fitch." And you either yeah. see him running or driving the Land Cruiser. That's the only yeah. that's that is that is
2: absolutely <laughs> well, true. Well, yeah. well, like Chad and uh, well, Ben didn't grow up here, but uh, <laughs> you know, we've been here our whole lives, and. Uh, now this this Hernando is my town, DeSoto County. It's been great for me and my family. We we love it all. I graduated from Hernando. All my kids have graduated from Hernando, and uh, I, I it's there's nowhere else I'd rather be. I love it here. I think y'all do an incredible job at City Hall. Proud to be here.
1: So when I got, uh, thought about running for office, several people said, you need to go talk to Jeff. He's Mr. Hernando. So uh, so, (laughs) um, anyway, but Jeff, I know one thing that we've talked about personally. Talk about, I think you were involved with the initial building of the concession stand at Robinson Gin Road
2: out there. I was Uh, probably seven or eight years old and my dad was in the Lions Club. Did you build the bathrooms? We, I was on the truck that brought the concrete blocks in, and Mr. Johnny Thompson, uh, one of the nicest men ever, had a CDL, and we went and got the concrete blocks. And I was riding with him, and uh, we were building building those. They were going to build those concession stands and bathrooms down at the uh, Civic Center on Robinson Gym, and. When we were turning left off of Oak Grove on the on the Robinson Gin, <laughs> one of the straps broke and a lot of the blocks fell off. And I'll, oh no! I'll never forget having to pick those blocks up, and, and it was a hot, hot day. And I was doing some complaining, but Mr. Johnny never said a word. He just <laughs> he just just started working, you know. But uh, I, I grew up at those ball fields. Yes, I love sir. it. And still play down there now. We in the adult uh, Hernando kickball league. Yes, yes. Uh, so much fun. We're doing yeah. a wiffle ball team this
1: year too. So well, that's awesome that's awesome
0: <laughs> well we yep. certainly appreciate you coming in and just one sharing you know what you do we appreciate your service as a as a public uh, as a public official and certainly appreciate your time coming in explain a little bit about what the tax assessor's office does and also just sharing a little bit about yourself for you know our listeners out there and uh we appreciate you and your and your uh the folks in your office appreciate y'all guys very much thank you
2: did we miss anything anything you want to talk about ufos or anything Mm, better not get off on my conspiracy theory stuff. You might get me impeached. So the staff made me do yeah. that. They told me to make sure I asked them about UFOs. So. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, thanks, well, Jeff. Thank like I said, guys. you guys always do a great job, and I think a uh, well-run office, and so we appreciate you all do for the city of Fernando and the
2: county. Same with y'all. you all. Appreciate See you. Thank you
0: that was jeff fitch he was our interview this week here on the boardroom podcast with chad wicker and ben piper we'll have another exciting guest here for you in our uh, uh, mike april mcclendon show. i'll break the news now mike mcclendon wow all right state state senator mike mcclendon will be our, our guest at our next show uh, our first show in april uh and we'll have some more updates for uh, for you from He's what's gonna going to kind of
1: recap the legislative session they'll okay. be done by then so i think this is a conference weekend here so they'll next week's be the last week
0: of the session so so, we'll have Senator Mike McClendon with us next time. We'll give you some more updates of what's going on with the city of Hernando, what the Board of Aldermen's doing. This has been the Boardroom Podcast with Chad Wicker and Ben Piper. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for an episode of the Boardroom Podcast, presented by People for a Better DeSoto County. I hope we were able to inform you and give you some additional insight on how your local government works. Stay engaged. Local government is the closest to the people. Uh-oh.